Hey there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking all about why you might be tempted to use bed rest as a remedy for back pain. Why that's an understandable option, why it maybe even makes sense in some scenarios or why you might be led to believe that's the right thing and then what we can do instead and really understanding the, the thoughts behind using bed rest as a remedy for back pain. So hopefully you're going to find this one really, really helpful. As always, we've got Lara the other side of the camera. She'll be taking down your questions as we go through today's live stream. We'll get to all of those at the end, go through all the answers and hopefully give you guys some really solid advice and guidance on your struggles with back pain or neck pain or those sorts of issues. As always, if you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. We do these live streams every single weekday. Uh, we go live, we do the Q&A as a means of helping you guys from home, wherever you are in the UK or abroad. And hopefully you're gonna to find today's live stream as usual, very, very helpful. So the topic of bed rest, this is a really, really um, long lasting one. It's something that people have talked about in sort of years gone by. Yes, if you've got back pain, you take some bed rest. Even members of my own family have done this sort of six weeks bed rest in the hospital, not getting up actually in that instance on the inversion, the traction. Uh, for, I think it was a period of six weeks. Why is it something that uh, would we would consider to be an appropriate thing to do? Well, maybe the misconception that it's an appropriate thing to do uh, is really what we want to address first and foremost. And essentially, we want to understand that a back injury is an injury. And when we have an injury, we want to try and reduce the stress on those injured tissues. We want to try and allow for appropriate healing to take place. And we want to allow the body to reduce the likelihood of any re-injuries in the future. So those sorts of things are really, really important. We really want to bear those in mind as we're going forward. So I thought the most helpful uh, thing to do in this scenario is to compare this to an ankle injury because ankles are often so easy to compare. They generally are going to be some sort of tenderness or ligamentous injury of, in nature and lower back issues tend to be the same sort of thing. It's because we're not using our body on a daily basis correctly. Our ligaments are under more strain because we don't hold ourselves correctly and therefore those tend to be the first things to go. And in cases like degenerative slip, bulging or herniated discs, it really is that successive consistent overload on those ligament structures in the lumbar spine that lead to the failure of that disc and then obviously your symptoms. And when we do get symptoms in the lower back, it's that build of inflammation in a lot of cases in confined spaces that gives rise to our symptoms, whether it's just that band-like pain across the lower back or whether it's sciatica going down the leg, those sorts of symptoms really come from that build of inflammation in the lumbar spine. Even though initially it might be very, very painful, it can then persist for extended periods of time. So when we've got an ankle, what do we want to do? We want to decrease the stress on the ankle. How do we do this? We take weight off it. We put a boot on, maybe it's a hard boot if it's a more severe ankle sprain. We maybe initially want to reduce the inflammation there, reduce the swelling, but we get a boot on to reduce the stress. Completely take it off weight bearing and we use maybe crutches for a period of time. We want to allow it to heal in an uninterrupted fashion. So again, we've got that boot there so that the injury that's torn, the bit of tissue that's damaged, it's kind of pulled apart like that, doesn't get any more pulling on it. If it's isolated in that, in that boot, the lay down of extra collagen in that area to support the necessary growth and, and re, uh, rebuilding of that ligament or tendon is allowed to occur unencumbered, uninterrupted. We want to also prevent re-injury. Well, how do we do that? If the thing can't move, we can't sprain it again. It's, it's, it's uncontrolled, unprotected movement that's gone through that particular tendon or ligament 
or structure that has caused it to damage. Whether that's a bony break or a ligament tendon or a muscle rupture, it's all the same thing. It's uncontrolled movement, unprotected movement, above and beyond what those tissues are capable of dealing with that has caused this problem. And when we transfer that ankle to the lower back example, we've got lots of joints in very, very sometimes unstable manner. And if they're not protected in the correct way, weak spots can occur. And that's when we overload a specific tissue. Now, with the ankle, what is the outcome of this process here? Well, the outcome is that we cannot move or weight bear through that injured structure for maybe six weeks. The outcome is also that the muscles that protect and support that particular joint now begin to atrophy, they begin to waste, they begin to reduce their support. And the subsequent outcome after that, maybe six weeks of being in isolation in terms of uh, isolating the joint so that the soft tissues can start to repair and regenerate, the outcome is that that joint is now less stable and we need rehabilitation. So the outcome is reasonably logical, it's reasonably understandable. So how does this relate to bed rest for back pain? Well, if you're in bed for that same time frame, even for a shorter period of time, we really do run the risk of getting exactly the same outcomes in the, in the ankle as in the lower back. The ankle, we get wasting of those muscles. So we're going to get that. But also, is it practical? Can we really reduce the stress on the lower back? Can we really allow it for appropriate healing and reduce the likelihood of re-injury in the lower back by doing bed rest? Well, not really, it's not practical. Lying in bed for six weeks is, is, is so bad for on so many different levels that it really is a, a counterproductive measure. It's something that just doesn't hold water. Why not? is the really important thing because you would think that those outcomes would be favorable. Well, functionally, it just doesn't work in society. We don't have two lumbar spines. With an ankle, we can take one out of existence, so to speak, but we can't take one lumbar spine because we only have one. So we can't remove that and just get around on crutches and get around with a boot because the movement is still gonna go through the lumbar spine. So it's impractical and we can't be in bed for six weeks. And if we were in bed for six weeks, this gets me onto the last one. Even if we could deal with the practicality of, I don't need to do anything for six weeks, so I will stay in bed for six weeks and we'll go through this normal healing process and that's fine. Let's just suppose you could do that because maybe you don't, you don't uh, you know, have to go to work or your work are very understanding and they say, right, don't come in for six weeks. At the end of that six week process, which brings me to why I've drawn this rather awful drawing of a skeleton stick man, we have one big problem that the ankles don't have. We can continue to use support for the ankles whilst we're going through a rehab process. The problem with the lower back is we have a massive center of mass here, relatively speaking. We have a massive center of mass here. This is the rib cage, the shoulder girdle, the upper body. And this is the pelvic girdle and obviously the limbs. Very, very large centers of mass in our body. And even if we're, we, we aren't stick thin in the middle here, the main load bearing structures is this tiny little stick here, this tiny little spine. And the thing that was providing support there was the muscles that connect from here to here to help deal with the stress of daily life going through that structure. And the amount of wasting, you can see it happening in the ankle when it's not used or in the leg when it's isolated for a period of four to six weeks. But when we do bed rest, we don't necessarily see that wasting, but that wasting still occurs. And now we have a tiny little spine through the middle that is trying to manage to support the weight of two very large centers of mass that need to be controlled when we're up and about moving. 
and that loss of muscle mass here cannot be protected against the way it can in the ankle. In the ankle, we can continue to use maybe a slightly softer boot. We can have a little bit of movement through the ankle, but we keep using crutches for a while as we do our rehab over the next six to 12 weeks to build back up the muscle mass. And remember, it's easier to lose the muscle mass than it is to build it back up again. It takes more time, more energy, etc. So as we've lost this during our bed rest, this support through here, now begins the much more challenging task of building it back up again. And the issue is that as we go back into life after this extended period of bed rest, we just do not have at all the competence in this region here to allow for the prevention of re-injury. And this is fundamentally why bed rest is not good for you if you have back pain. The bed rest is tempting, yes. Does it help if you're in bed, decrease the stress on your lower back 100%? Does it help decrease uh, or, or allow for appropriate healing? Yes, 100%. But does it, in the process of all that muscle wasting, does it create a massive obstacle to overcome when you have to then go back into the rehabilitation phase? Yes. And that is what really catches people. So when we see people in the clinic that have been through a period of bed rest, we know that we're gonna, we're gonna really struggle to get this person back into physical activity because they've lost so much, they've gone down into a hole so far that actually it's really quite difficult to build them back up and get enough momentum in the early stages because any sort of activity is going to really, ice, uh, really uh, enhance the difference in, in, in control over this section that the core has. It's gonna really put stress on that lumbar spine and those muscles are not going to be very, very competent at pr protecting that lumbar spine as we go through the appropriate rehabilitation that's necessary. So I really would encourage you, as we go through sort of towards the end of this live stream and then move into the Q&A, if you're thinking, you know, you've got a lot of back pain, you can't move very well, maybe the process of walking around is difficult, then there are things that we need to consider. We want to try and keep active and that means, it means moving around in a relatively upright position. That might mean that you can only move for five minutes or so, you know, supporting yourself on the work surfaces as you're kind of uh, struggling around the kitchen. Maybe you've got a long car journey ahead of you and you know your back is in trouble. It might mean that you just get out of the car and just kind of walk around the side of the car using the car as support. These things will help, not least because unlike the ankle, in the lower back we have confined bony canals. So inflammation building up, which in the ankle wouldn't necessarily cause so much pain, it just swells loads. In the lower back, that swelling inside confined bony spaces will give rise to more pain. And therefore, is that that the injuries got worse? Not really, it's just the inflammation is irritating more structures. So a little bit different there compared to actually getting a new injury. And therefore, the ankle example, where we move in a certain way and we stress that tissue and it becomes painful, is very, very clear, avoid that movement. But in the lower back, when we get building up of inflammation, it's sometimes just the presence of the inflammation that gives us pain, which we try and avoid as if it was tissue damage, which it isn't. So that's why we really do encourage you guys to try and just move around a little bit more as best you can. We have the back in shape exercise protocols in the phase one that are appropriate for a, a whole host of different back injuries from disc related injuries to stenosis to, uh, to to we've had people in the program getting relief for spondylolisthesis and other facet issues etc it really really does help do some of these things periodically take stress off the structure and periodically help with the healing process by getting ice on that area for example or doing that decompression towel exercise and it allows you to reduce the likelihood of re-injury by keeping your hips as mobile as possible so the lower back can be protected. 
but all the while while we're doing this phase one exercise we are not resting in the bed we are trying to keep active to keep what muscle mass we do have there competent and stimulated to some degree so that when we are able to we start moving on to some exercises that will rebuild the strength in the lower back and allow us to be really protected from re-injury for the long term rather than getting caught out just lying in bed it can be tempting but i really would encourage you to avoid that at all costs so with that we can go into q a okay brilliant good morning everybody please do keep your questions coming in uh, i'll move on to those shortly um just a quick question from me um yep. when i was doing the research for this one thing that kept coming up is lying on a hard floor is that going to be beneficial um, I would I would say not. The reason lying on a hard floor is chosen is because if you imagine you've got back pain, um, we speak a lot about these sort of holes that get narrowed um, as you move, so where the nerves come out of. And if you're on a wobbly bed, um, the, the wobble can mean that that hole goes from here and then it gets a bit smaller and a bit bigger. And that smaller, bigger action can potentially give you pain because as it narrows, it increases the pressure on the nerve because there's inflammation there. So lying on a hard surface decreases the likelihood of any movement going through your spine. Your pelvis is gonna lie square, your rib cage is gonna lie square, and we're not really gonna get any wobbling occurring on that hard surface. The problem with the hard surface is that it doesn't support your lumbar spine. It doesn't support the natural lordosis in the lumbar spine. So if we have an L45 or L5S1 issue, it's gonna allow the pelvis to rock backwards, and that's, that's gonna open out the space in where the nerves come out, but it's also gonna stretch those ligaments along the back. And if we imagine the process of healing is whereby the, the two sides of the wound, so to speak, and this is obviously oversimplifying it, but the two sides of the wound are trying to contract and come back together again to provide stability. What we're doing when we lie on our back and allow our lordosis, the natural arc in our lumbar spine, to flatten is we're pulling it back apart. And therefore it might end up healing like this as that collagen's laid down to fill in the gaps. Now, the ligament is maybe 15% longer than it's supposed to be, or it's 20% longer than it's supposed to be. And then that gives rise to things like instabilities. It gives rise to alignment issues that take place in one spot. And this is why we really try and encourage you guys, especially if this is the first time you've had back pain, maybe you're coming across our stuff, you have a key opportunity not to allow inappropriate healing to take place in that lower lumbar spine. Because if you do the right sort of exercises, the right sort of stretches and the right sort of work, then you're gonna allow appropriate healing where these two sides knit right back together rather than the inappropriate exercises like lying flat on the floor or like doing knee hugs or like doing other child's poses, which maybe allow it to only heal like that because it will still heal, but it's now a vulnerable point. Now, one of those joints in that series of joints through the lumbar spine and arguably through the whole thing, now it's a little bit more lax than everything else. And that laxity means that instead of unloading like everything else, this one joint is gonna quickly go to that point there. And that quick, uh, quick because it's lax, that quick movement. For example, if it's like that and I pull, it, it, a force is gonna quickly be absorbed by the tissue. But if it's like that, as I pull, I'm more likely to rip it because it's there and then it catches, and then it catches tension. So we have to bear that in mind. That example might not necessarily be the clearest, but hopefully it does make a bit of sense. We want those tissues to heal back in their natural position. So when we have an injury, we want to put it back in a natural position. You don't get someone with an ankle sprain, or let's suppose a wrist sprain. Say I've sprained the ligaments here, okay? When you get the cast put on, they don't put your wrist like that. That's really, really silly. 
they put it back in a neutral position and hold it there so that it can heal with the right balance between the ligaments left and right. They do not go like that and then allow it to heal like that because they know when they're doing this that the ligaments now healing in that position are going to heal in a longer position than this one. Mm. So it's a nonsensical move. We want it to be as close as possible to the natural normal alignment so that it goes through that repair process in that normal alignment and not in any other alignment. Really worth bearing in mind. Hopefully that wrist example did make a good bit of sense. Okay, brilliant. And Karen's asked here, if you find it more comfortable to sleep upright in a chair rather than lying in bed, should you opt for the chair? No. <laughs> it's a really simple one. You know, sitting up in the chair, you've got gravity. While we are sleeping, that is the one time in the day where we get our discs in a position where they are unloaded where they don't have the pressure of gravity on them. And if we're upright in a, even in a semi-recumbent chair, we're not quite benefiting from that rehydration process. So if we know we have a degenerate disc or damaged disc or whatever it may be in that lumbar spine, we want to be in a position through those six, eight hours of sleep where we take pressure off the spine. And that's much, much better than sitting in the chair. I know it might be difficult, but we need to try and find, we've done other live streams where we've talked about sleeping positions, where we've talked about sleeping routines, where we've talked about things that you can do before bed as well as in bed that will help you sleep more effectively. So definitely check out on YouTube uh, the live streams that we've done in the past and you'll be able to find one on sleep if that's particularly something that you're struggling with. Okay, interesting. Um, just going off of what you said, someone might think that, let's say, sleeping on the towel might be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you recommend that? Because that way, you know, you are kind of restoring the curve, but then you are on the towel for a very long time. You are on the towel for, I would argue, a little bit too long. Yeah. The reason for that is you'll wake up and you'll forget you're on the towel and you'll go to move and that will create issues. So um, I, I would suggest that that's an unwise thing to do. Do the towel little and often. It's there as a relief-based exercise. When we start doing those sorts of exercises and stretches for longer, specifically the towel, um, and other lumbar sort of arching activities as you're putting that, the lumbar spine into that position of extension especially if it's a big towel what happens is you get stretched through ligaments so the ligaments on the front stretch off ligaments on the back tighten up uh, with adhesions between the soft tissue layers and that leads to remodeling it's something that we do in the clinic whereby we change the shape of people's lumbar curve or cervical curve and we reevaluate it on an x-ray which is really cool to see it's, it's awesome but that change takes place periodically after around about 15 to 20 minutes, generally 20 minutes. About 75% of the available stretch takes place. Beyond that, we are getting extra stretch, but it's a diminishing reward for time invested, number one. Number two is if we're doing it for six to eight hours, we really are gonna get a long stretch through some of those anterior ligaments, ligaments on the front of the spine, and we don't necessarily know whether that's what we want. You can go too far with these sorts of things, so it's best that you stick to that three to five minutes that you normally recommend on the towel and do that in the three times a day as part of the back in shape protocols, the phase one. Um, I'd rather you guys not start doing that for longer or sleeping in that position because it can create trouble. That's why we get people that come in in the reverse with their necks in the wrong position because they sleep with three or four pillows like that mm. every night and it reduces the curve. If you're not measuring your own curve and being objective about it, please don't try and make changes because you don't know or have a mechanism for knowing when you've gone too far or when you haven't gone far enough. So that's very, very important. We don't want you guys doing anything that could be detrimental to your well-being. So please don't try and do that unless you've got imaging to validate it. You know, it's 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 you have to make measurements where you're starting from and where you're going to. And if we don't have either of those, then we shouldn't be trying to change things. 
Okay, and just for those who are really struggling, Until we do. <laughs> really struggling with back pain, but they have considered the bed rest, we'll answer Ollie's question now. Is the towel exercise still effective if it's done on the bed before getting up for the first time? And also, just can they do the phase one on the bed if they're really struggling? Yep, so what we generally say is that phase one is acceptable to do on the bed. Um, we don't want, if you're in, in real, real trouble, we don't want you having to struggle to get down, up and down off the floor. That being said, there is some guidance in the for the premium members in the Back in Shape uh, membership site on Facebook and on the and in the membership site on backinshapeup.com. We do have a little bit more guidance on how to maybe more safely get on and off the floor next to the bed. But in phase one, there's no real advantage uh, with doing it on the floor versus on the bed, although there is, apart from a minor one, in so much as the towel will be a little bit more effective on the floor. It'll be a little bit more noticeable on the floor. But it's better to do it on the bed than not do it at all. So please bear that in mind. If you are struggling to get down there, then do it on the bed for the time being and create the, uh, the ambition of wanting to get onto the floor to do it in the future. That's okay. the best way to go. Okay, awesome. I'm just going to continue with Facebook, but I will move on to YouTube. Um, Alex has asked here, what is the best way to prop yourself up uh, in bed to read? I use a towel in the lumbar curve, but is this okay? Um, yeah, a towel in the lumbar spine would be okay if you're sat more upright. Um, I, I would try and sit upright when you're in the bed. Don't sit in that semi-recumbent position because it's going to put a curve through this section of your thoracic spine over a curve and then ahead which is creating one big long curve. So I would really try and sit up square if you can uh, in the bed or you know read before you go to bed. Uh, that might be a, be a good option as well. Uh, the other option is you could lie on your side. So that can work. Um, but would you recommend if someone's sort of lying flat, mm -hmm. having the towel in the lumbar spine? Yeah, if you were gonna if you were gonna read for sort of five minutes or so, uh -huh. and you were lying on your back and you have the book up above your head, then that would be okay. Just bear in mind your hands will go numb, uh, and that's okay. You're just cutting off circulation there. But a you bit. don't want your your neck then propped up with pillows as well. Yeah, the problem is if you prop your neck up with pillows, then that's going to be a bad idea for your neck. And like, again. When we're talking through these bits of advice, these bits of guidance, these questions, we want to make sure we're helpful for the question, but also draw your attention to other issues that might arise as a result of doing that. You don't want to get a neck problem while you're dealing with your back problem. That's quite important. Yes. Uh, Joe's asked here, could a lumbar support belt be used in the early stages of rehab if you are really struggling? There are, there are a few, a very, very few scenarios where we've recommended a patient temporarily use a lumbar support belt and this I think was one where she was having to go through the airport um, yeah. to travel. I think it's very very unwise to use those um, unless you're very very strict in your own mind with how you're going to use it. So for example you might be a person with severe um, damage to the integrity of your lumbar spine by way of bony damage. Uh, if you've got a disc issue or anything like that, I really wouldn't wouldn't bother. Um, but a more severe sinister, maybe something like a you know grade two, grade three spondylolisthesis or something which is is severe uh, tissue damage, um, and therefore we maybe you have a uh, particularly arduous day. Maybe you have to go and catch a flight uh, for whatever reason it may be. Um, in that scenario where they you might be walking through the airport for an, an abnormal level of uh, an abnormal duration then it would be appropriate to use the belt for a one-off occurrence where we're going to be unavoidably putting more strain on the body than is necessary or is appropriate because we can't avoid it but the problem i have with recommending people use belts is that they start to use them because it does feel great they start to use them more and more and become reliant on them and it's all too easy to slip into just using that belt all the time 
Plus, people often use the wrong sorts of belts. If you are going to use a belt, you'd want a more broad one. We did do a little uh, video on the YouTube channel of uh, a belt, which is relatively inexpensive. Um, but it needs to be a broad-based belt. It needs to cover the whole lumbar spine. If we're using weightlifting belts, it's just a big no-no. Don't do that. Uh, it's really a bad idea. It's going to create more strain on the 4.5 and the 5S1. But the corset light belts for a very, very limited use, uh, one-off random occasions where we can't avoid them, but they will put strain on our back, uh, we could potentially consider using those. Okay, great. I'm the other thing to bear in mind is it affects your normal movement as well. Yes. Right, I'm going to move on to YouTube. Robin has asked here, if you have episodes of pain, pain over a number of years and ligaments have healed in a stretched position, mm -hmm. can this be rectified or will they always repair in a stretched position? No, I mean, if you re-injure them, um, then, then they're going to go through that or try to go through that normal healing process. Not to say go and injure your back again. Please don't take that the wrong way. Um, but if you do injure those uh, those ligaments in the lumbar spine and it's been a recurring thing and they've injured badly in the past, just make sure you go through this rehab right. Uh, if you go through it correctly, you do some of the right exercises and continue those practices for the long term, the ligaments do adapt. Remember, I mentioned earlier that we go through with patients, many of whom it's not their first episode of back pain. It is a long standing thing. They have been doing the wrong things in the past, which is why they come to us in the first place. And we are able to make a change to the alignment in their lumbar spine, but you need to measure it first uh, and, and the cervical spine. You need to measure it first in order to know where you're going and which ones are particularly bad and which ones are, are not so bad. Uh, so there is hope definitely to restore some normal alignment to your spine, especially if you've had or even if you've had uh, long-standing or previous episodes that have maybe healed less favorably. Uh, but we need to measure things to know exactly where we're going. Without measuring them, the exercises in the back and shape, the towel, etc., will be safe to do. They will put you in a better position. They're just not going to do too much in the way of changing any positions. They will just put you in that nice, more lordotic position uh, for the time that you're doing the towel exercise. And therefore, you'll benefit from the unloading in the discs, the bones, the, the, the general joints in the lumbar spine, uh, facets included, as well as the uh, ligaments and muscles on the back part of your lumbar spine will also be unloaded as well. Right, because the body is always constantly healing and repairing itself. Yep. It's just that some structures take longer. much longer than, than others. Yep. You're literally not the same person you were a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and a couple of years ago. Uh, your body is constantly breaking things down and rebuilding them along stress lines. That's how we adapt. It's really, really magnificent the way in which this happens. Mm -hmm that our body does change, it breaks things down, it rebuilds things, even in the bones, it's doing that on a day in day out basis, just very, very slowly. So it's really, really good. Yes, brilliant. Okay, wonderful. I think that is everything for today. Let me just double check, make sure I haven't missed anything out. Yes, brilliant. All right, awesome. thank you everybody for your questions. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today, guys, and thanks for those really good questions. Hopefully it's helped you understand why on the surface of it you might want to do bed rest for your back pain, but why when we actually think about what's really happening and how that compares to other injuries where we do isolate the joint, um, why it's just not the right thing to do for back pain and why it can lead you to falling into more severe issues in the, pro in the process of rehab in the future if we do go down the bed rest route. So hopefully it's been really helpful for you guys. If you are new to the channel, if you watched this far, hopefully you found it interesting, please do consider subscribing to the channel, hitting the notification bell. If you know someone else that has some trouble in their back, were you going to ask a question? No, no. Awesome. If you know someone else that had has some trouble in their back, maybe they've been considering bed rest or you've heard that they're stuck in bed with back pain, then please do consider sharing this video with them. Hopefully it'll help them understand things a little bit better and maybe reconsider some of those approaches. So hopefully it's been great. We will see you guys tomorrow with another live stream and have a great Monday, everybody.